ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm AJ in Jersey City. And I am Frank in Brooklyn. Okay, guys, uh, we are continuing our sweeping miniseries event covering all uh, James Bond movies culminating with the No Time to Die in uh, November. Uh, this week's entry, The World is Not Enough. Frank, uh, when did you see this movie the first time? Um, uh, you know, in or around 1999. <laughs> uh, I, it probably was an in-theater experience. I feel like I was old enough, but I also might have, and because I was into Bond at that point, um, but it also might have been something that we rented on, you know, VHS from Blockbuster or something. What about you? Okay. Um, you're going to get real here. Uh, in 1999, in 1999, going to the year 2000 in May, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I had, uh, a hernia surgery. Einstein has knocked over a Pringles can. He's playing with a Pringles can. Fun. <laughs> um, I had a hernia surgery and I got the DVD of the world is not enough, uh, to watch. Um, and I you know, don't remember this movie back then at all, other than remembering that when my brother had his surgery to get his tonsils out, he got a game boy with Pokemon blue and I got the world is not enough. And it was just a DVD. It was just a one DVD. He's so, like, that's it. <laughs> what, what are we doing here? He's got hours so, of entertainment. Mine is over in two and a half. <laughs> so No, this actually um, is a short movie. Yeah, so um, I don't like this movie for a lot of reasons. But upon rewatch, I still don't like it. Uh, Frank, <laughs> what did you think? Again, I uh, like last week's episode uh, was my, I think my perception of Tomorrow Never Dies and the world and I was not world is not enough was flipped uh for whatever reason my memory was like yeah world is not enough is a good movie maybe because there was a video game and i played the video game maybe it purely had to do with denise richards (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) right yeah Uh, but yeah no this is not a good movie uh there's a lot that i really don't like um there are some cool moments throughout it but you know as the third entry it's just like so I feel like there's a, so a, a couple things we got to talk about. So um, I think I, I mean, spoilers, uh, everybody. I mean, idiots, but spoilers. Uh, the opening credit, the opening scene of this movie, like really just upsets me. <laughs> I don't like that it's so long. I don't like that's extended. I don't like that it's this um, two-part quest where he's in Madrid and he you know, escapes out of the building or, and then he comes to, uh, back to MI6 headquarters and, uh, he gets blown up and then they go on the crazy boat chase. Now, granted, I really love the crazy boat chase. I love kind of everything leading up to that moment. Like kind of, you know, once King is walking into the room and he goes in the thing and it all blows up. That's, that's kind of where I pick up with the story. But I think that this movie really, fails in that it's it's trying to do a lot of like really cool things that just don't work and it's trying it's like it's trying to do way too much it's got classic spider-man three sy- syndrome yeah um uh, we all know the films that have multiple endings this one yeah starts a bunch of times like i don't know why that they <laughs> thought that was a good idea that like oh yeah we're it, they, they throw this like bait and switch at you within the first five minutes 
and then it's like oh okay well, why did we even need that 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 totally was unnecessary um it, especially in light of like the rest of the plot later on um right and and like it's just it, i feel like this movie is like stumbling to get off the ground with so much weight on its shoulders of the legacy and what they're going to what they're trying to do and wh- how they're trying to move bond forward in a lot of different ways and it just it never gets off the fucking ground um okay yeah so the, what, so the thing that i when we were texting about the movie a couple of days ago my like overarching theory on this is that like you take the, the plot of the movie lar- like on paper and okay. it almost sounds like a daniel craig movie yeah definitely and definitely and like there's so much in there that like they're trying to make bond like vulnerable they're trying to like show more of his like like the tragedy in his life they're trying to um have this like more of a twisted plot that that sounds like a Daniel Craig film, but like it's just not executed well. And then like they swing so far in the other direction with like some of the humor and, and the romance stuff and the sexual tension that it's just like, it's, it, it, it's tone is all over the place and it doesn't know what kind of movie it wants to be. You're right. And you're, you're, it's kind of confusing when you're watching it because it it starts and stops like a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and it feels very episodic for Bond, um, you know, in that like there's different, you know, really cool moments filled with other parts that are just like, what the fuck are we doing here, man? Um, okay, uh, so I think um, you know, the opening sequence, uh, the boat chase ultimately with the cool little jet boat, like it's super cool that they got to shoot it on the River Thames. It looks like Piers Brosnan again is having a fantastic time. Yeah, um, it's funny. The, uh, the, the the day I watched this, I was just scrolling through Facebook beforehand, and um, knowing that I was probably going to watch it that day, there was a um, a bond like from the Bond Facebook page, like today's like news thing or whatever. It was like they were talking about the boat chase from World Is Not Enough. I was like, how appropriate! <laughs> um, and oh, that's appar- awesome. Apparently, like you know that obviously there's like the the flip that it does and. It's just that is like a really really cool opening. Um, it's just kind of wasted by, like, the ridiculousness of what they're actually going through. <laughs> right, and and it's just it you know, I, how much fun would it have been to turn up you know at the end at the scene when they're you know trying to get to the submarine like, or you know like that would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so. I think it's a mistake to follow up one like stealth boat movie with a submarine movie. <laughs> um, and also yeah. to confuse kind of a couple of different things. So uh, if I were to redo this movie, right, if it was us and we get to remake the movie, right. Yeah. I would recast this lady with Catherine Zeta Jones. Hmm. All right. Cause okay. I feel like the whole time this lady is trying to be Catherine Zeta Jones and I would really have much more focused on, kind of uh a little bit more of a backstory for her you know and i would have tried to have seen you know more of the kind of uh subversion she's doing with uh Renaud, who we'll talk about in a minute um as opposed to this bait and switch which just feels like it, you you're with bond when he knows it and then you're it takes the movie 10 minutes to 
like come to grips with this new information. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of it is a really cool sequence that all you had to do is take out the talkie talkie parts in between and just let that sequence play out. And the movie then builds momentum and the movie then gets to move and it gets to uh, proceed towards an end, you know, plot for uh, Bond to get out of. What specific sequence are you talking about? I'm, I'm just a little. I'm, I'm talking about when uh, uh, Electra King, who mm-hmm. is played by what's her face, whatever her name Sophie is. Sophie something. Sophie Sophie Marceau, right? Mm-hmm. She uh, she brings M to her place in the Caspian Sea, right? Or, and while they're there, uh, um, you know, h- hilarity ensues, and the people who have stolen the warhead are now launching it on this super cool, uh, you know, remote uh, pipeline fixer upper thingy guy inside this pipeline and they can go and stop it but the whole time we're cutting back and forth to electric king who we know through bond at this point in the movie already knows that she's a bad guy Mm -hmm. right yep whereas everyone in that room still doesn't know that she's a bad guy and we have to sit there and kind of just like wait for the rest of the movie (laughs) to catch up right to catch up And, and and that really, I think that's really one of the key scenes you can point to and be like, that's Bayed. Okay. Um, but I don't want to downplay how awesome the idea of this character is because remember, if we're remake, remaking this movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones, she can be much more imposing and, mm-hmm. in, and a physical um, uh, equal with Bond. Sure. More than this lady is, who's much more of a sex object to her. Um, but I'm yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um... You know, I think the interesting thing about uh, like when when they make this movie and they market this movie, it's like all about Renard as this guy that's got a bullet in his head and he's like got a scary Blofeld looking face and like I mean, like, yeah. And so that you think that he's the guy, and then once you really figure out that, and and the movie tells you that. Um, the idea is that she's the one with Stockholm syndrome and then they flip it on its head and it's like, no, 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 she's been pulling the, the strings and like manipulating him along the way. And so like, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like she's, it's really cool to make a female villain, this kind of like complex and, you know, you know, have these daddy issues and want to get the, the name back to, you know, the glory of it, the old days. (laughs) But like, right. But it's all this, like, it's all like, um, it's like word gravel. Like they don't like build any rocks and stones or monuments. Like she just like says these like words doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like when she goes to the, um, and this is great. I love that they brought, uh, Hagrid back for, to reprice his role as Valentine, who was a a great little guy. He's great. He's great, and it, you sh- you show up, and you're like, oh, cool, we're back with this guy again. We like this guy. This is fun. What's happening? And then she just throws away this million dollars, like not even like an interesting card game. Like she just throws it away, and then it, we come back, and we're like, oh, well, he's laundering the money through this part of the thing. Like, though, like I love Valentine, and I was very happy to have him back, and I thought the action scene with him was actually pretty okay. And had you had come off of the the cool pipeline sequence and you're running towards this scene, it feels totally different. Sure. Um, but I think 
you know, I don't know. I, I uh, uh, okay. So I feel like we, we we started talking about this movie at the end and in the middle versus like going through sort of the, the plot of the movie. The plot. Um, so I'd okay. like to okay. to backtrack just a little bit because I think I had a few. It's been a few more days since uh, I've seen it. But so like yeah, we we've got the the boat sequence, whatever that's done. Um, I love that they they have M more integral to the plot here, kind of like a Daniel Craig film. Um, totally. But um, so you know she's she's there, Judy Den- Judy Denching around. Um, the opening sequence is f- like the 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 credits is fine. I think this song actually is a little bit better than the past two. Um, oh, the song. Garbage. Garbage. The world is not enough. I th- it's written by the guy who does the score. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I think maybe maybe because the name of the movie is a little bit better to be, like, a plot that you could sing about than, like, Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's not, like, amazing, but it's fine. It's better, I think. Yeah. I like it a lot, too. Um um, I think that it's it's definitely fun. Um, the, the sequence itself looks exactly like the last sequence, to be totally honest. They're all the it same. Doesn't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this one just has a little bit more oil, but we're still just like, it's all techno sure. boobles. So I the- like, I like oh, okay, and also I like the integration of the, the, the song and the melody throughout the score of the movie. Yes, I, I do too. That's That's a nice little touch. Um, so my memory of this film, I remember a bunch of things. I remember the skiing. I remember the, the that there's an oil plot and that they're in the forest with like the plot li- uh, the pipeline. Um, skiing. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought that there was more of a like a global warming kind of plot to it, and that's like the the <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Nope. They're all about the oil. And it's kind of like, okay, yeah, that's not great. They're talking about multiple oil pipelines throughout Asia, and they're competing with each other. And like, okay, go go for it. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's not a, a great way for this movie to hold up. Um, but so yeah, we have this complicated sequence, and they go to this Russian, uh, not Russian. This um, where do they go with, with with the the mountain and where they start skiing? Where is that? It's the it's in uh, Azerbaijan, right? Which is okay. where she's from, which is right. part of the old what was Soviet Union. Right. So uh, she goes to this place, and we go. So uh, Bond infiltrates. I mean, I mean, we we, we skipped it though. We sk- we we got to talk about it. We we skipped it. Yeah. Okay. We, we, go ahead. I know where okay. you're going. S- Okay, so this so this is the last film for Desmond Llewellyn, who plays Q, who is everybody's favorite gadget slinging guru, and great you know c- comedy relief for uh, the James Bond franchise. Um, and uh, it's really tragic. He died three weeks after uh, the movie wrapped with, uh, you know, um, he got hit. He was in a car crash, which is terrible. Um, he was 85. He was, you know, he was in all the Bond movies up until that point. Um, Frank, uh, I mean, it, it's it's kind of sad that he doesn't get more of an emotional send off, but he still gets pretty much a send off. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it makes me wonder if like 
at the time he was planning to retire because obviously they're talking about it kind of in the movie itself. Um, and he has a replacement in the film in a way with John Cleese. Um, so yeah, maybe he would have been done and was not going to be a part of die another day. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's something on the internet that would tell us otherwise, but I, I'd like to think that he was planning his send off. It's just so sad that, that he died and especially in such a tragic way. I mean, he was already 85. Like you would think that he maybe would have had a couple more years just to, to, to chill show up. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really sad. Um, that being said, we get some pretty goofy gadgets, um, and a very goofy scene with John Cleese. (laughs) Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think John Cleese is, you know, he's very silly. Um, you know, I think it's definitely, you know, an insurance policy they were taking out for the next, you know, iteration. But I do think it's very telling that they didn't include R in Casino Royale. And I think that, you know, it was good for them to not go with that version of Q for at least a little while longer. I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now. Is John Cleese in Die Another Day? I'm sure he is. He probably I'm is. I'm sure he is. I, I would imagine so. I have not seen Die Another Day, so I'm very excited to watch it. <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> well, I'm enjoy- I, en- I enjoyed hate watching this. So, uh, okay. so Yeah, he, yeah, he's in the second one. Okay, fine. Okay. Um, uh, the, the jacket. The jacket is pretty cool. Yeah. It's a great social distancing <laughs> jacket. Yes. And, I'm and down his, for that. His big... Uh, Basically, the way I called it as we watched it, it was like a, a, a Groot bubble. <laughs> yeah, it's a Groot bubble. It's a great way to put it, Frank. That's yeah. a good job. <laughs> um, so ridiculous. But uh, obviously came in handy because, you know, yeah, you plan works. ahead for some avalanches when you're going skiing. Um, I, I, did that, I mean, the skiing sequence to me is is cool, and I like, like the action with the snowmobiles and stuff, but, like, they don't dress that way. It must have been so cold. Like he doesn't even have a hat on. Like no scarf or anything. <laughs> it's it just James like, Bond. You gotta catch a cold. You gotta go home. Put your hat and scarf on and come back. Uh, um, I, I don't know. Okay. And, and they're just yeah. like scouting the pipeline. Like oh, instead of just being like, here's some photos of it. Let's take a helicopter there and we'll ski to it. Like one does. Like nobody does that. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I think if you swap. Um, a couple of scenes around, like the Parahawks are a great thing. Yeah. And would love and would have been really cool uh in another place. And I think that they just had these things and they're like, let's just put these in the movie. Who gives a shit? <laughs> and it doesn't really work. And while the whole time I was watching it, I was like, Okay, so it's a snowmobile. I was like, Okay, cool. And then you see that there's like, you know, the parachute on top of it and they can kind of glide. I don't know if they can really fly very far. You know, it seemed like they were you know, they had come in from wherever they were going with these thingies on them, but yeah, but there is that one that he like sends off a cliff that he's like, yeah, I got him. And then like all of a sudden he like back, turns yeah. on his engine and like t- can turn around. So I, so I was thinking like controlled falling. Be, <laughs> yeah. Couldn't these be called snow speeders? Uh, uh, might've been a copyright issue. I don't know. Um, so, you know, they, they're, I, I like these things. I just don't think that they serve 
the plot very well other than to you know you know it you know what if electra had been you know really hit and buried in the avalanche by her own people like that to me is like weird you know um right doesn't like make sense through the rest of the movie because she was clearly in danger and needed bond to be there to protect her and like it also seems like they could have used it as a way to fake her her death and then for her to come out later on in the movie be like actually i've been pulling the strings all along you thought i was dead um Um, so you know bond saves her and then of course anytime bond saves somebody he wants to bang them bond does a lot of banging in this movie and something tells me you want to talk about this a little bit um it's it's like less about her i mean yeah there there's definitely some uh, i don't know one does not fall in love so quickly (laughs) <laughs> the right. way that they talk later on in the movie and like before she's like trying to kill him it's like you know you loved me but blah blah, blah. it's like they didn't have a relationship they just fucked come on um and like the other one that's a little more over the top like i said my 1999 self definitely was really interested in denise richards because she's wearing nothing in the middle Starship of the desert troopers yeah. <laughs> but she's super like, hot Super, super hot. But, like, what is her purpose in this film? It doesn't really make sense. Um, to be smart and be plucky. That's all that she serves. It's really a bummer. Yeah, and it is and it is a bummer. They could have done way more if they... I mean, honestly, if they cast somebody that was, like, more competent in the role. And, like, and they have this, like, throwaway line for her that's, uh, you know, she's not interested in any man. But, of course, by the end of the, bo- the movie, her and Bond are, like on the x-ray machine and they see them having sex and it's gross it's like no one needs to see that and that's how the film ends (laughs) like come on yeah um yeah that's that's bad um he also fucks the doctor yeah that's really bad too that's a really shouldn't have fucked the doctor the doctor is hot like he could totally fuck the doctor and then what's crazy is money penny totally shades the doctor like bitch <laughs> it's it's ridiculous like oh my I, god I, I, so i don't know how i mean it's it's crazy to me that a the, this is the, the 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 way it happens in universe there but like people let this happen to be like it, this movie sure. got made and these things were scripted and everyone's like yes that's a great idea we're gonna have a fuck the doctor at the beginning of the movie she's gonna strip down willingly oh my god um <sighs> The espionage part of it is cool. Like, I like that he, like, dresses up and, like, you know, wears a costume and pretends to be, you know, a different guy. Like, we haven't seen Pierce Brosnan do that really just yet. Um, And I liked the way, like, he got into that scene. But Denise Richards is fucking it up, really. Yeah. And I think that, like, had you had... I think if you... Here's my recast. Catherine Zeta-Jones as the main... Electric King, and then whoever that electric uh, Sophie, she plays that role, and then she has the accent. She seems more believable. She's, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it just doesn't fit that she's just like this random American yeah, doctor. And she like, and her her line reading is are, are bad in this movie. Yeah. She's like the spy stuff. Like somebody who doesn't speak spy. Like you know, like uh, it, it's a giant wet t-shirt contest. You? Like it's just a wet t-shirt contest for her. That's basically yeah. what this movie amounts to. It's yeah. Uh, 
It's um, good and it's bad. I love sure. the uh, the pipeline sequence. is super cool. It is a really cool sequence, and like, yeah, they do give her something to do there. Um, but like, I don't know. It, it just it makes me wonder. You know, obviously, in like a in a Daniel Craig movie, she's not there at all, and no. he can solve the problem. You know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, he's he's significantly more competent. Um, but the what I like about it is like it's I don't know it it's de- like this movie is trying to do like so many different scenes. Like it just felt like like it's kind of like an SNL. Like they were like on the big board. They were like, he's gonna go skiing. He's gonna be in a submarine. He's gonna be in a pipeline. Mm-hmm. You know, and like they just like went down the lines, and then the 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 stuff in between is like when you go see a musical, and they have to like you know mush through like you know a couple lines of dialogue between the next number. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. Vamping underneath, <laughs> yeah. Music's going. They're just, they they all the exposition, and they go off to the next set piece. Oh my god. Um. Okay. So, Leonard. Um. Who's who's this actor? This who's is Robert this Carlyle. Um, Who's Robert Carlyle? He is known for primarily two things. Um, Stargate Universe. Um, okay. Which is one of the iterations of the Stargate franchise that was probably... Stargate is a great movie. I've never watched any of the television any shows. Any of the shows. Go no, on. it's... Yeah, it's... It, spit, knock off Star Trek. Um, and then he's also known for now more modern day. He played... Uh, Rumpelstiltskin in Once Upon a Time um, on that show on ABC. That's what that's his best known projects. Yep. Fuck this guy. <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry. Uh, I I think it's a super cool idea to give to give a Bond villain an interesting superpower abilities. You know, we've seen it in Jaws. We've seen it in uh, Odd Job. We've seen it in um, you know. Uh, the big dude, uh, Dave Bautista in, in Skyfall, uh, but specter, whatever. Um, who's the crazy guy in Skyfall? Is there not a big bad guy in Skyfall? I mean, Javier Bardem basically is the crazy guy. That's true. Um, okay. Uh, you know, you know, they set him up. Like it was kind of like the card guy in tomorrow never dies. Like once I found out about the card guys, like, Oh, the card guy would have been cool, but it also could have been a little cheesy. And this comes out just more cheese than like ever like really seeing his cool powers, you know, like I didn't like was the rod like here's a question was the rod that he's inserting at the end supposed to hurt him or be hot in some way where he can't touch it. So like it he's like special in order to do it like what made his the final plot of the rods what made his abilities like significantly more special in order to do what he had to do nothing nothing right? no, nothing. Um, I mean, I think the, I think that sequence is kind of like the plan going to shit. And it's like, he's like the last one that can actually do it. Um, uh, I don't know. It's yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with his abilities. It's just like, maybe yeah. it has to do with like the fact that he's like really close to radiation or something, but then so is bond. Like shouldn't bond be like yeah. dying of cancer now. But they said that they're shielded outside of the area. It's bullshit. Sure. Anyway. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so I think that they do a lot of cool locations, but at, it sacrifices 
our ability to understand these locations at all. Yep. Because like, what the fuck does do we as like how old were we in nineteen ninety nine? Like fifth graders. Yeah. You know, like what the fuck do we know about Azerbaijan? Like, can't they like have a cool seed where like they're at airport airport and they're like. Oh, where are you going, Bon? And he's like, oh, I'm going to Azerbaijan. It's part of the old Russian republics, and it's over here by the Caspian Sea, which is no. a different area where no, no, Russia no. used to export their oil. <laughs> no, it's just like, here we are in an oil field. Here we are in a nice house. Here we are in Turkey. How do we get there? And It, it doesn't ultimately- matter. I mean, like, that stuff is, like, even today. But the pipeline is lame. Like, who gives a shit about the pipeline? Like, like they – and. I what I, I do like the the ticking clock sequence at the end. It just never feels like I give a fuck or that they're ever gonna fail. Like I knew it was gonna be fine. Like it's James Bond and Denise Richards against some guy. Yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. I mean, the stakes get kind of high with the uh, with the water sequence as they're you know going in and out of the submarine and and the, the locks and you know, it flooding. That that's kind of intense. I suppose, um, but sure. yeah, you're, you're right. Like, I mean, th- that's the thing with any of these movies, though. We never think that he's gonna fail. He's always gonna win in some way until like later on when like he can lose something, right? Like he... his balls. <sighs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that's. I want that to loom large. Like, like there's other ep- like uh, podcasts that I listen to. Like, comings to mind that I think about all the time is is Signcast. And, like, when they would talk about the early episodes of Seinfeld, they would talk about things later on in Seinfeld that they were going to be talking about as they covered the show. Yeah. And, like, I want to keep coming back to the balls. Like, that scene stands out to me as a huge deal. (laughs) So, basically, once he's getting ready to retire, he's going to settle down and be, like, really sad that he can't have a family because he's totally sterile. He can't use his balls. His balls are fucked in this in that movie, and and it's such a crazy scene, and it's so fucked to like think of all the families that like went on Christmas or something to go see this movie together, <laughs> and like you have to go sit there and watch this guy his balls get wailed on for a good three or four minutes. Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> we are so close to watching that one. <laughs> The balls. Okay, so, uh, uh, yeah. Um, okay, backtrack. We're grinding the. We're grinding to a halt here. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. the world is not enough. Is still a movie, technically. <laughs> it's more so a combination of random ideas, um, executed mediocre, in mediocre fashion, um, and and that's about it. I mean, like the. It's it is kind of disappointing. I think. Um, the so fact, okay, yeah. So continue. I'm sorry. I was gonna say that like I feel like Pierce Brosnan is at this point in his career where it's like with with this franchise in particular, it's like he had a couple of good ones, and here it's just like oh man, like it does start to go off the rails. But I don't think it's his fault. Um, I think they they have him doing too many like goofy bits, um, you know, stuff like. I mean, the whole sequence with the 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 caviar in, in the in the when they try to rescue yeah. Valentine, like the movie just stops. It's like, come on, like. Uh. Yeah. I okay. So I think for the purposes of the podcast and mm-hmm. us having some kind of sanity and being able to definitively come up with different answers that we're going to need at different times, 
Uh, we are going to try out a new uh, uh, system for rating the James Bond films. We're going to experiment with it now. Sure, sure, sure. If you sure. guys have any requests or changes, I mean, it's a democratic system. We'll listen, but I can't say we'll do anything. Uh, Frank, would you participate with me in a live rating of The World Is Not Enough with our 10 categories, and then we're going to compare our scores, okay? Yes, please. Let's do it. Okay, so the opening sequence, where would you rank this? If one scale of one to ten. Um, you know, I would thinking I, back on it. What was that? Thinking back on it now. Thinking back on it, yeah, I, I really love the boat sequence. Um, but I think the fact that it's kind of split uh, is a deterrent. I I think um, I'm gonna give it a seven. Um, okay, a seven. Yeah. Um, it's not the best. It's not the worst. It's it's fine. But I think I think that's a fair rating. I think that's a fair rating. Um, okay. So the, in general, how would you rate the overall plot from one to ten? You know, ten being, you know, fucking uh, Skyfall, and you know, one really being like the Woody Allen version of Casino Royale. <laughs> uh yeah i mean i you have a five i think a five is perfect um it's it, it it's perfectly split it's like this the the idea like i said at the start of this that it's almost like a, a daniel craig film and that they want to push the envelope and get there but they feel like they need to hold back and right they, it, it's yeah they overbalance it and it makes the whole movie a mess you, you i feel you dude you're so right uh Okay, gadgets, cue the car. How do you? We didn't rate even talk stuff? about the car, really. Um, the car is, you know, uh, uh, you know. I like that it's Q's last shot. I like that you get to see, um, you know, a car get used. Like they definitely use the gadgets in this car. They use it almost completely remotely, which is kind of cool. Like they built upon what they did in the last movie, um, but you know, you don't get any cool chase sequences or, uh, I think they were like, we can dial down on the chase sequences in this movie. Yeah, I guess so. I I'm, I'm going to give it a seven. I think, uh, I could have seen a little bit more with the car. Um, and the fact that it just gets completely decimated by that, like helicopter razor thing is crazy. Um, the helicopter razor thing is weird at best. Yeah. I mean, I get it that they're talking about like, oh, pipelines. This is how they clear out the, the trees. This is just what's done. But uh-huh. it, there, and there's also a bit of terrible CGI with it, too, um, specifically at the, the, the boat sequ- or the, the dock sequence. The dock. Okay. Okay. Bond girls. Frank, uh, the next category is Bond girls. <laughs> We may oh, be looking God. at the uh, spreadsheet together, but we're introducing the categories to the listeners. Yeah, and they they should know. So, we so we're we're on to our next category: Bond girls, which it says Bond girl, Bond girls. Yeah. Usually, there's two. There tends to be two, especially in, in these this iteration. Uh, oh uh, yeah, th- these are bad. Um, I I think I like that she is the villain. Um, I think that's a very interesting way to go about it. Um, but I, I think Denise Richards is, is really a poor choice other than looks, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give it a four. Okay. A four from Frank. Okay. So, uh, the villain, the general concept of the villain, 
I think going forward, you know, you could call it. I would say there's always going to be one, uh, you know, mustache twirling villain in any kind of Bond movie that you're watching. Mm-hmm. I th- I dare say that there's not really a movie where, you know, you don't really get a big team up of Bond villains, which they haven't really done yet. And I don't see that, that you've ever had one where it was like Bond himself or something. You know, <laughs> the villain was you all the along. whole time. <laughs> like, um, okay, they haven't Fight Club this motherfucker yet. So no, we'll see about this next one. We don't know. Um, so in this case, really, the villain ends up being Electra King. Electra. So yeah. you know, I think while in the Bond girl category, she is down. I think she's pretty interesting in that like it's it was definitely a surprise to me after you know the the first like what third or whatever i was like oh i didn't realize that she was gonna be the one pulling the string so i'll give her a six Ooh, six nice okay what are your thoughts on the physical antagonist so like i think that this is like i always like to see bond fight right like i i hasten to see a movie where bond doesn't fight anybody and, you know, he's just, like, executing everybody with, like, you know, nothing. Like, I want to see Bond kind of kick some ass. And most of the time in a movie, you're going to have some physical antagonist character that will fight Bond. So in the last two iterations, we've seen Onatop from Goldeneye. We saw Stamfer. In this one, I'm going to say Renard because he's ultimately the guy who he fights at the end of the movie. And, like, his ability to fight him. What did you think about this guy, Frank? Uh, it's it, it. The idea is so interesting that like he's got this bullet in his brain that is pushing on his medulla oblongata. Is that the one? That's I don't, the way you say it. Uh, and so he can no longer feel pain. That's a crazy concept. I think it's a very interesting one, but it's not executed well at all. And no, it's really not. And like so, I don't know. It's not like you see him like with like broken bones and uh, like he's like completely bloody or he's got like gunshot wounds. He's just fighting him. And so it's just any other guy, really. And it's like, why couldn't he just shoot him then? Just shoot him and he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) He's already almost dead. So I'm going to give him a four. Ooh, a four. I mean, he like, especially when you set him up to be the villain and then you pull the rug out from under him and he's not even the one manipulating things. He's just totally a mess. He's nobody. All right. All right. So then the next category we're almost done here, folks, uh, is the bond performance. So I think this could generally mean like the, the level of commitment that any of these bond actors give to the role. I think over time, you know, Roger Moore became sillier I think over time, uh, Sean Connery got weirder. <laughs> I I think, you know, Timothy Dalton was angry, <laughs> you know, uh, and then Craig is kind of, um, and then I, I think Craig also does it too. I think you can see that Craig was having a very good time during Skyfall and he hated Spectre. You could see it kind of, and you could feel it when he was doing the press. You could see that he, he was saying he would rather never do Bond again. Uh, yeah. And I think that that does matter. I think, you know, Pierce Brosnan in this moment, you know, he's been Bond for two movies. 
you know, where do you rank his performance for this outing? Oh, um, okay. So I think, yeah, giving Pierce Brosnan a little bit more of immediate, like, so, you know, this is the one where he's got a shoulder injury and he's like, wants to fight through it. Great idea. Great idea. Love it. We didn't um, talk about this, this enough. This was a great idea that they didn't play enough. Yeah. Into. Um, and then I don't know. I mean, I think he's just, like I said, there are moments where he's hamming it up a little bit too much for my liking. Um, and, and some of that like overt sexiness is kind of not great. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think a seven is probably appropriate. He, he's not terrible. I, I don't feel like he's phoning it in at all. I don't think he's like unhappy there. I think it's just it, it's it's not it's not the best of all of his outings. No, it's uh. So which what are you gonna rate him, buddy? I said a seven. Oh, a seven. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, so we're coming up to our last couple of categories here, and then we'll do our totals. Um, okay, so. Uh, the next category is like the legacy, um, a continuity moment and like the relevancy. So we've been toying with the idea that like, yes, like, you know, Goldeneye, like the legacy is very strong. It was a new bond there. They had the awesome video game. Like it has a lot of relevancy in today's society. When we look back on it nostalgically, uh, tomorrow never dies. Similar thing. You know, you have fake news before fake news, uh, the Avis Q, uh, you know, um, product placement sequence, uh, the motorcycle chase, you know, and for this one, um, you know, I put like it's Q's last outing terrorism, you know, and the boat that were kind of my descriptors. What, what, and then I gave this, uh, I'll tell you now for my only score, I gave this an eight. Cause mm. I think that this is a lot to do with kind of, you know, how you look back on it. It's, it's, it's not so, it has some moments. Um, what do you think, Frank? Ooh, um, so I think, and maybe I'll feel differently after like, this entire project and going back and seeing uh, and feeling like really connected to Q, I, you know, I, I think to me, that's not as strong here. Again, I, I think it's partially the way that they handle his send off. Um, uh, the, I, I don't love the, like I said before with the, the oil pipeline, I think that's like a, a really kind of dated plot point, And so I don't love it. I'm I'm going like six. I, I, like I, I thought this movie was better in my mind, and so come, returning to it, I, I don't feel like it. It needs. I need to go back to it anytime soon. Okay. Uh, and then two more categories. Uh, the special effects. How do you feel about the special effects in this film? Um, you know, there. I think that they're. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, like. I like the mix of the CGI with the pipe sequence. Uh, I like um, the practical effects of the boat sequence. And, uh, you know, the dock was really nice also. Uh, but, you know, on the on the other side of that, you know, the opening sequence is like just like GDI sh- CGI smulch. CGI schmaltz. Schmaltzy <laughs> CGI. Um, we've already become Sean Connery. Uh, I don't know. To, to me, like, I guess special effects. Uh, yeah, the the boat sequence are re- is really good. I like the the um, snowmobile sequence, um, the pipeline. All that stuff is pretty solid. Um, I am gonna dock the dock sequence. Like I said, the CGI uh, helicopter bit. 
So I, I think I'm going to go with a six. Okay, last last rating here, and then we'll tally you up. Uh, the score and the song. What are you going to rate the score and the song? You know, I think I like the integration. I think they're they're cl- they're classic. I think the only demerits I would give it are like the odd, more golden eye synth pad hits this time <laughs> again that yeah. I don't like. What do uh, you think, buddy? I like this song better, um, and I think um, the score is fine. So I think a seven. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna tally up your scores over here. Well, so we've we've got. We haven't said what you thought of this. As you tally, I'll, I'll go through really quickly and say what you've got. AJ gave the opening sequence a six. The plot, he gave a five. The gadgets, Q and the car, he gave an eight. Pretty, pretty high marks there. Bond girls, down to a three. Not very fond of the Bond girls in this movie. <laughs> no, I'm really not. I, I think that they kind of suck. Uh, villain, you gave a six. The physical antagonist, Renaud, who gave a five. Bond performance, a seven. Uh, we kind of line up there. Um, the legacy, you gave an eight, like you said already. Special effects, a six. And the score and the song, also a six. So so basically, AJ's overall score for The World Is Not Enough, for all you math nerds out there, if you caught up with me, he gave it a 55. That is... A failing grade. <laughs> <laughs> not uh, certified fresh. No, not certified fresh. Um, and would you like to reveal my score? So you gave it a little bit better than me. You gave it a 59. That seems about also right. Also failing. So, you know, I, I think this is a nice rating system because the cream will rise to the top and the shit will fall to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like we, we could still say we're areas where we like things that's what's nice about it it's like yeah there there are definitely moments in this film that the action and some of the the sequences are really fun and memorable like i remember them from 20 years ago but uh yeah i mean there are so many other shortcomings that it that's why the, the film is just it's just not really worth going back to so we're sorry guys uh, but uh ultimately uh, you know, it's interesting to see kind of how they were turning Pierce Brosnan. And I'm really like, I'm excited. I'm nervous to see Die Another Day. I've never watched it. Uh, I've, I don't know the plot. I, I know, only know that Halle Berry is in it and that there's a scene with Pierce Brosnan s- surfing on an, what looks like Antarctica. I don't know. <laughs> um, um, I, I do remember seeing this one in theaters. Um, yes, Halle Berry is in it. I, my memory is that I, I like it, so I am optimistic, hoping that it's um, pretty good. Uh, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go back and, and make sure we've got our marks down, uh, the rating scale for both GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, both of us will have our scores. Um, we're still kind of figuring out what this all means and how we will use these numbers, whether we're going to come sure. up with an aggregate score for the film based on, like, the long last heroes podcast blessing, or if we're going to let our individual scores stand um, and then whether, how we're going to maybe rank the movies or at least the numbers will help us rank the movies um, as we go through. 
Right. So, and then once we also, once we wrap up the next episode, we'll also kind of be giving you guys insight into where we're going to be heading next as we are taking a slight, if not very nece- necessary detour. Very necessary. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. I, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, side note, the, I, I was watching an episode of legends of tomorrow that, uh, was basically spoofing some of the um, 90s like kung fu movies and just like they were like really going over the top and I was like oh my god I really want to watch a Rush Hour movie right now and I saw that Rush Hour 2 was on HBO and I would totally watch that um, those those movies like fall right in line with with this and you know I know that you haven't you don't have the nostalgia for them but um, it's it's the action movies of that era and um, they're def- they definitely looked at Bond and what to do and what not to do. But also, I think, um, even a, l- a little bit of like Austin Bowers because it, those are comedy films as well. Um, so I had a good time watching that. <laughs> That's tight. I, uh, I don't know if I, I kind of want to get the discs because I want to do the special features. I want to know what happened in, uh, you know, with Austin and his amazing special features. Yeah, I only have the DVDs of Austin Powers. Um, they are on Netflix right now, and um, yeah. so uh, I don't know. It it, it it really bums me out that we never got a fourth one, um, and I'm still holding out hope that I don't I don't think do that's it. gonna happen. But, I, but at, and the thing is, like after rewatching Goldmember, somewhat recently, and I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't actually want it. I think they've kind of run out of ideas. So anyway. It's fine, dude. We're gonna we're gonna talk all about it. Um, okay, so everybody, thank you so much for tuning in uh, and checking out our podcast. This has been super fun. Uh, we never, we rarely get to shit on movies. It's kind of fun to do that. Uh, so um, you can check us out online, uh, social media at LLH Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can send us an email info at longlostheroes.net. Uh, which is where you can also find our website, www.longlostheroes.net. Um, you can find us for the podcast apps on you know Google, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. You can definitely check us out on Apple. Um, and you know, going forward, you know, please send us what you uh, like about James Bond. What you think? What you're feeling about the franchise so far? Yeah, I'm really interested to see um, what people are thinking about this project. Um, I feel like we've gotten some pretty positive feedback so far. Um, we're still really early on, but um, please let us know what you think and if you have any fond memories from some of these movies um, as we continue on with this project. Um, I think that's it for me. Anything else for you, buddy? I'm good, my friend. All right. Well, we will be back next week with Die Another Day. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. Take care. Bye.